right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. About the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know very well the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security and sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. This season of Advent um, that we have been able to experience together over the last few weeks, maybe some for you, it's just a a constant celebration um, every December, every year for you. Um, It was not always like that for me. As a kid, of course, I was only looking forward to Christmas morning for sure uh, because that meant maybe a new game, some new Pokemon cards under the tree in the stocking. Uh, Even later, uh, when I fully understood why we celebrate Christmas, uh, I still look forward to things, look forward to a break from school or a a time to hang out with friends and family, all really fine things to look forward to. Um, I still have my favorite Christmas gift ever, Nintendo 64, of course, all fine things to look forward to, but I was missing so much uh, growing up. I was not, it was not until December of 2015 that I got to fully experience a season of Advent uh, within a church body. We planted the Crossing Church in 2014, but we were still only meeting once a week um, that December of 14. So I had to wait until the next year to understand what Advent was all about, which seems crazy that it's only six years ago. To kick things off that uh, year, December, the crossing, got to hear my second sermon ever uh, on December 6th. Uh, I went back and listened to it. You don't have to. Do not, you don't have to go back and listen to it. It's on the website. You don't have to. Um, and so besides learning, I had a lot to work on when it came to preaching. I also found I was not a big fan of preaching the first Advent sermon in a series. The first Advent sermon, if you don't know, uh, usually tends to walk through this promise made. Uh, and, and then walking through the Old Testament, here's this promised Messiah, this king who is coming to save his people. Uh, that's the promise. And you got to stop right there. You gotta, here's the promise, and then you stop because you don't want to step on the toes of the next elder up preaching the next week. And he gets to talk about, here's the promise fulfilled. Here is Jesus being born in the stable of Bethlehem to, mother, uh, to Mary and Joseph. They get to talk about all that stuff. But all you get to do in the first one, second sermon ever, is just, all right, here's what's coming, and then, okay, next week is going to be great. It's like a kid waking up on Christmas morning, walking to the living room, seeing the tree, presents underneath, mom and dad in their robes, coffee mugs in hand, smiling at you. You're about to open presents when your dad stops you and tells you you have to wait until next week to open those presents. How terrible would that be? You would all be scarred if that happened to you. Maybe that happened to you. Don't Tell me about it later. Um, so maybe not as dramatic as that, but that's what the first part of the season felt like. Now, much more for those throughout the Old Testament, hearing the promise, hear about hearing about this promised Messiah only to die before ever experiencing Jesus. I can imagine what that was like. Here's the promised Messiah. He's coming, but you don't get to see him. You don't get to experience him. We went through that in Hebrews a few weeks ago. They never get to fully experience this promised better Messiah. And now I've learned um, with time, with life, with hardships, this last Advent sermon is not worse, not better, 
Uh, it's a really weird mix of hope and painful longing. Um, waiting for the day of the Lord, as we just read in First Thessalonians. Jesus changes your life, saves you from eternal punishment to a great, great inheritance. You read more of Jesus, you love him more and more. And as, you love Jesus, as your love for Jesus grows, the realization of how empty this place, this world is, really begins to set in. You really start to see that this is not my home. This is, this is not what I'm meant for. This life filled with so many good gifts, absolutely good gifts, not just Christmas gifts, so many good things that are meant to direct us, direct our attention to something better, to something eternal, will always turn out to be not enough, especially when we attempt to worship the creation rather than the creator. When we attempt to look at those things as what we're working for, we're going to find that they are empty. So, so far, maybe this isn't the joy-filled Christmas sermon um, you were hoping for coming to the crossing this morning, um, but we absolutely need this reminder daily, not just once a year during Advent. The reminder that no matter how great or defeating a season of life you're in right now, the day of the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming to get us. We need that reminder. And so as Paul begins to close this second coming theme letter to the Thessalonians, he really nails the feeling and deliverance of this reminder. He says about those seasons, those, those ups, those downs, wondering about the future, I don't need to say anything to you, Thessalonians, because you already know this. And then what does he do? He goes on to write a really well thought out and beautiful um, just encouragement to them. You don't need to hear this. I'm going to write it anyway. And so I want to speak for the other, el other elders. This is me every Sunday when I get to preach. Uh, it's like about the gospel, Crossing Church. I know I don't need to say anything to you about the gospel, so buckle up for a 30-minute sermon on the gospel. Like, you don't need this. You, are, you know this. You believe this. Here we go. I'm going to get it to you anyway. But Paul knows the Thessalonians and the Monroeans. I looked it up. Monroeans. I wanted to say Monrovians. Didn't work out. Monroeans today. He knows that for them, for us, we need a constant reminder of what is coming for us. Because how often do we forget? Maybe not consciously forgetting. We can easily sip into this mindset that everything we do revolves around this life, especially this season. Everything revolves around this season. When things are going well, we might be doing everything we can to keep that way of life in that way. When things are going well, I need to keep that job. I need to keep that relationship. Things are going really well right now. This is awesome. I need to keep this. And when life gets hard and things aren't going our way, we do everything possible to get back to where we had life really good, working for the weekend mentality. Uh, every week for me, uh, I forget uh, what I'm truly living for uh, when I am in a class with eighth graders. Uh, I'm working for the weekend. I'm, I'm trying to get back to that point where life was really good, and that was the weekend. What if every day, no matter what season of life, we look to the day when we'll be with Jesus? Every day we look forward to that day rather than all these little good gifts, the weekends. As those um, not of the light strive for peace and security, as Paul says, the day of the Lord will surprise them. It will bring destructions. He says, but you, brothers and sisters, you are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. Crossing Church, if this 
is true for you. If you are a child of the light, you know that with an absolute, just firm foundation. By no work of your own, of course, you have a much better day coming than any day that you can experience on earth. Better than the weekend, better than Christmas Day, better than your wedding day, whether that's in the past or the future, better than the day your, your first child was born. We get to go home and be with Jesus. You have a better day coming. And if this is not true for you, if there is um, an absolute assurance that you don't know Jesus, and you know that right now, um, and whether or not you've been working through that or not, uh, whether it maybe maybe it's doubts right now, do you truly know Jesus? If that's you, uh, if you've not truly experienced the love of an incredible, perfect Father, you've not been changed by the work of the cross, this day is not something to look forward to. Uh, it, it is a day to rightly fear. Revelation tells us this. And I saw heaven open. There's a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame. Many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on the white horses, wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came out of his mouth that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. The hope that others have in this room, uh, if, if that's you, if that's the day that it's coming for you, the hope that others have in this room that Jesus is returning is not out of reach. It, it is absolutely not out of reach. To be able to turn from dread into longing of that day only takes belief in Jesus. Being able to turn from the emptiness of this world and turn to the one that holds everything together is not out of reach. This weight off your shoulders moment is so sweet. If you can remember that, if you can experience that for the first time today, um, I pray that if that is you today, um, that your eyes be open to God's love and goodness right now, that you can find someone afterwards, and you can talk to somebody, um, and you can start working through that, working to getting to a point where when you read something like that, that passage, that that day is filled with longing, of this, this hope in that day, and not a dread uh, of that day. But for those in the light, after a reminder that you have nothing to fear as a child of the king, Paul then gives us the application and the exhortation. In verse 6, he says, so then, that's, that's all true. Let us not sleep like the rest. Let us stay awake and be self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of hope of salvation. First, Paul urges these Thessalonians to be alert, self-controlled. For so long, my idea of this self-controlled waiting on Jesus to return uh, was very damaging and works-based, if, if not for you. And if you're confused about that, let me explain. It, it really gets twisted. Um, if you are a part of a church growing up or if you're part of a family growing up, um, that maybe is not a bad church or a bad family, loving family, loving church, that was me. Um, but when I read Scripture, when I, was, when I was taught certain things, it got twisted. And, and instead of 
loving, instead of grace, instead of mercy, it came out as make sure you're always doing the right thing because you never know when Jesus is going to come back to take us home. And if he catches you in the act of sin, he might leave you. I don't know. I mean, he might just say, okay, nope, wrong, bye. And that, that's it. That's that one time. And so obviously that is really damaging. That is really workspace. So what I decided to do was be perfect and never sin no matter what. Um, no, of course not. Uh, of course not. All that thinking did was lead me to believe that salvation was up to me, that, that to get to that day when Jesus would take me home, it was up to me and how good I could be. It was up to my works. And then when I would inevitably sin, of course, shame is then heaped on my back. It can't be that. And so why does Paul encourage those Thessalonians and us today to stay awake and be self Controlled. Of course, I could have got to this point uh, in reading and prepping this uh, sermon and just have the, the answer in my head. Well, God commands it and God knows what's best. He knows what's best for us. But, of course, uh, I had to find an analogy uh, to understand it and then think about it. So I'm going to share this with you guys. And I, I debate it for a while. Uh, I know that no analogy, no sermon illustration is perfect. All of them break down, especially after hearing one two weeks ago that involved Old, old Town Road uh, that was shared with me on TikTok. Uh, I know uh, that they break down, but uh, as I was thinking about this, as I was going through this part of the sermon prep, uh, it was Thursday night, um, and I was about to go see Spider-Man um, at 10 o'clock. I've not done that since I was in college. So the part where Spider-Man, I'm just kidding, I'm not going to do that for you. Uh, maybe you haven't seen it yet. Um, no, I was waiting. Uh, I was going to be picked up by Joseph, uh, and I was ready to go. I was ready to see Spider-Man. Um, I was fully ready to go, uh, and I realized at that moment, thinking about this and everything kind of put into place, because God's sovereign, um, at that moment, I'm the best version of Jesse when I'm ready to go do something. I'm, I'm the best version, absolutely the best version. Not when I'm doing something, because I'm probably tired of that thing I'm doing, and not after I do it, because I'm too, I'm worn out. But when I'm about to leave the house, I'm about to do something, I'm the best version of Jesse. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm literally prepared. I'm dressed. I'm, my mind is clear. I'm usually excited about where I'm going unless it's school. Uh, I probably took, uh, I probably looked more put together than I did like 15 minutes before I'm ready to go. Um, I'm the best form of Jesse. Um, and so the best form of Jesse is ready to see Spider-Man. Uh, great movie, by the way. Um, but that wasn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't the best I could be so that Joseph would be proud of me when he picked me up uh, so that he would pull in, see me, and he's like, all right, you're ready, you're not slouching, I can pick you up. And if the opposite would have been true, he pulls in, he sees I'm not ready, he just leaves without me, uh, like I don't have a car or something, I don't know. Uh, I was prepared, no, I was prepared because I was excited to see that movie. Um, and, and, and it was a good thing because uh, I, was, I was awake, I was not drunk, as Paul would say, um, the plans changed, and I uh, had to drive. And so Joseph came to the house, picked him up, and I drove uh, with my eyes set on getting to Tinseltown. Um, I was focused, I was prepared, ready to get to Tinseltown. Obviously, that breaks down in so many ways. But you know what the worst form of Jesse is? That's the best form. The worst form of Jesse, 1030 at night on the couch, shoes off, bag of chips in hand, useless YouTube video uh, playing on the phone, barely awake self-controlled, probably not there, very unprepared, not looking forward to anything, just wasting time until 
Chan says, you going to go to sleep? That kind of thing. <laughs> you have work <laughs> tomorrow. Um, that is the worst form of dressing. I am not prepared at all. I'm not ready to do anything. I am just this lump on the couch or wherever I find myself <laughs> laying down after work. This is not our home. Um, but we know that there is work to be done before we are called home. If we are not awake, if we are not self-controlled, always prepared for Jesus to come home, not in the, the sense that he's going to come, he's going to see us not prepared or, or not self-controlled, he's going to just disown us forever. It's not that. If we don't have the armor of faith and love strapped on, the helmet of hope and salvation on, how are we to proclaim truth to those who are in the dark while we're still here? There, there, there's no way. If we are not prepared, if we are not awake and ready right now, there's no way that those in the dark will hear of the gospel. If we are not ready, if we are laying on the couch um, all the time <laughs> in, in the sense of life, those will not hear the goodness of the gospel. So rather than warping uh, all this into treating Jesus like Santa Claus, uh, who's always watching, ready to swap your name, fill out a list depending on how good or bad you are, we can let this be a warning of Jesus returning like a, th a thief in the night to compel you to grow desperate for those in your life who continue to walk in darkness. Those who you know who are either very far from Jesus who don't know him, who are in the dark, or in our situation, a lot of times, it's those who are absolutely religious. They think they know Jesus, but they are just clinging on to religion in a very legalistic way. You know those people in your life right now at work, at school, in your neighborhood, in your family that you're going to see in the next couple of days. You know them. And so rather than making this, being prepared, being awake about you and how good you can be, let it compel you. This desperation needs to grow for those, because if we are prepared, if we are awake, if we're ready to go, then those around us will hear the gospel. We will proclaim it to them. We will live a life uh, as Jesus intended, and they will see, they will hear the truth. Um, but we have to be awake. All right, that was a long analogy. Paul continues in verse 9. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So then, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So that we are awake, that we get to see Jesus return, we get to experience that, or if we have already passed on uh, at that point, we may live together with him. This is the good news of this passage. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the best part of our inheritance as children of the king. First, Paul reminds the reader that this salvation cannot come from anyone working hard enough True, perfect, actual salvation comes only from Jesus, who willingly gave his life for ours. That's the only way. No matter if we are still around for the day of the Lord, we've fallen asleep by then, we will be with him forever. If we are in the light, if we are children of the king. The big, big house, the table, the big, big yard for football, they're all good things. But above all, we get to live with Jesus and experience him forever. Our brother, our king, teacher, mediator, the word made flesh, the lion, the lamb, the perfect high priest, the last sacrifice, our savior, our king, Jesus. We get to be with him forever. That is the best part of this inheritance. So what if every day for the rest of our lives, instead of being bogged down with the temporary things in life, instead we fix our eyes on the king returning to take his people home? 
looking forward to when we get to enjoy an intimacy with Jesus that will not be contaminated by sin forever. Right now, we have a relationship with Jesus, but it is contaminated by sin. It is hindered. It is a vague shadow of what we will get to experience with him someday. If we truly look forward to that day, focused on Jesus as our destination, rather than the weekend, rather than that relationship, that job, retirement, whatever our plan is, then we would fully understand Paul, when he writes in Romans, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. If we can look to that day, then we will understand that. But maybe you're thinking, yeah, that would be ideal, um, but that is way easier said than done, and I would agree, absolutely. Maybe you've had to experience real trauma in your life, uh, some terrible faith-shaking seasons of life. I've heard some of your stories. I know about some of those seasons, some of those events. Maybe you're going through something right now, and the, the cloud of whatever you're trying to work through is so thick, like a fog, there seems to be no way to look forward to the hope that you have in Jesus' return. There's, there's no way. Paul then gives a clear solution to that in verse 11, as he usually does. 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Encourage and build each other up. So, if that is a season of life you find yourself in right now, or if you run into something in the next few days, as happens a lot, something really crushing, something difficult, defeating, know right now, Christian, that you do not have to struggle in that mess alone. So often we feel like we must work through these hardships by ourselves, whether it's a pride or it's a feeling of not wanting to put that on somebody else to burden them. When we sit in that alone, all that does is perpetuate everything. It just the season of life grows when we're in, in that alone. And so we, we, we can't control it at all. It's so hard. I can't remind myself of the love of the Father because all I'm thinking about is how I must not be loved by God based on what I'm going through. So with no one there, that's all I'm telling myself. That's the, the track on repeat in, in me then there's no way I'm getting out of that on my own. For us in church, we are called and equipped to encourage and build up the body. We are called and equipped. We know from 1 Corinthians 12 that if one member of the body suffers, then the whole body suffers. Not just in this sympathetic way where I'm going to suffer with you. You know that if one of your body parts is not working as it should be, you will not function to the best of your ability. You can survive without an arm or leg, but life is going to be a lot more difficult. You're going to suffer. Even the smallest cavity makes eating and drinking a painful experience rather than joyful. You'll live, you'll live with the cavity, but it won't be as good as having every part of you healthy. So do we view the church in the same way? One member of this body is suffering. Yes, the crossing church would absolutely survive because we don't revolve around one member or one elder, one pastor. But it would be a shadow of what the Crossing Church could be if every member is healthy. If we don't let that member suffer alone, then we'll see what the Crossing Church can be, what it should be. We've seen the call to encourage and build up throughout Scripture. 
you must also know that you are equipped to do this work. With Scripture breathed out by God himself, and you are filled with the same Spirit who empowered Jesus. Now we can encourage and urge each other to look to that future glory rather than sitting in the mess of life. This is why we are a body made up of mission communities and DNA groups. We believe this is the best way to build each other up and with the goal of being sent out on mission with each other. But if some in our body are suffering, how can we fully experience what it means to be a gospel-centered church with a heart to saturate the world with the truth and peace of the gospel? And so two things for you, and then I want to read a passage in the chapter before this, and then we can worship uh, out of this truth. Two things. Um, for those who are doing the building up, uh, and then in that season of life where you need that encouragement, that building up. For those, um, all of us, uh, who are building up each other, you do not have to be a people person. You, do not, you don't have to be social. You don't have to be well-versed in theology. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. Um, you don't have to do any of that. You just have to be here. You have to be in that person's life. Uh, I know that the times where I've needed the most building up, the most encouragement, it has not come from someone close to me in this room sending me an incredible verse that is like perfect for what I was doing. That, that happens a lot, but I can point to so many times, whether it's with our mission community, where I'm not sharing at all like what's really going on right here and right here, and then we just sit around the table, and we're playing games, and we're eating good food, drinking good drinks, and laughing. And that right there is pointing me to the goodness of gospel. That is pointing me to this is awesome right now. And, man, when Jesus returns, that's going to be so much better. Just being together and enjoying each other. That, that can happen. We experienced something a couple months ago that was really bad. Uh, it was really hard. And uh, Joseph had to come pick up the bread. Um, that Sunday morning, because we were not going to be able to be there, and uh, he knew, and Jared knew, obviously, and all Joseph did was hug me and said he was sorry, and that was exactly, I'm like, I'm not going to cry, I don't cry, I don't preach, um, that was exactly what I needed right then. I didn't need him to explain anything away, I didn't need him to tell me why that happened, and man, God, it, it's, you have to believe that God is still good, God is still living. He didn't say any of that, he just hugged me and told me he was sorry. That was it. Joseph can do way more than that, but in that moment, all he had to do was that. And I experienced the love of the Father, and I experienced this looking forward to a day where none of that's going to happen again, where sin is erased, and I get to be with Jesus forever. And so right now, know that you don't have to be incredible at anything. You just have to be a part of this family, a part of a family, a part of a body, and be with each other and know each other and love each other. Like, please believe that. Please believe that, because when you are in a season of life that is good, that is, that is full of grace and mercy, and you see the love of the Father, just know the person sitting across from you or next to you right now or at Mission Community uh, table, that they may not be in that same season of life. They may be struggling. And for that person right now, the next thing, um, for you, um, for anyone to know that you need encouragement, for, you, for them to know that you need to be built up, you have to be known. Like, I have, I've seen vividly that people cannot read my mind. And so if I'm having a bad day on a Sunday and I'm not talking to anybody, I need you to know, hey, I need encouragement. But I, 
Obviously, you don't know me. If you haven't talked to me, you don't know that. And so for you right now, if you have seen that being a part of church over and over again, moving through church, however old or young you are, um, if you've had this experience where I'm not feeling hospitality, I'm not feeling love, it might not be this, but it could be that you are not opening up to those around you. You're not giving yourself to them. You're not letting them know you, like, intimately to know what you need. So the only reason that Joseph can do that for me, Jerry can do that for me, the Chandler can do that for me, is they know me. Some of you here don't know me that way. You can still provide encouragement and building up for me because you are equipped, but they know me, and they know when I'm struggling. Taylor knows when something is wrong with me and knows when I need encouragement or a kick in the pants, usually that second one. They know that. And so if you are experienced right now in the Crossing Church or wherever you're a part of that, that you don't feel this love, you don't feel encouraged or built up, like, again, <laughs> the same solution works. Be with God's people. Be surrounded by God's people and let them know you. So I know for every MC, almost every MC, we've been sharing stories right now. Our MC is uh, kind of large, and so we're almost finished with our sharing of stories. But with those who I knew and those who I kind of knew, uh, now just hearing their simple story, whether it was 10 minutes or 45 minutes uh, where they go into every detail, I know that person better now, and I know like what they need. I know how to encourage them. I know what they're struggling with. I know what they're bringing into this situation now based on hurt, based on family stuff, based on just sin, just kind of rolling around all the time. I know them now. It's not always perfect, but please be known by God's people. All right. Before we sing um, and celebrate this truth, I want to end with First uh, Thessalonians 4. It's right above um, or next to whatever you're reading right now. First lesson is 4, 13 through 18. Just kind of sit in this uh, right now, just another reminder of what it's going to look like when Jesus returns. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the archangel's voice, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So Christian, right now, um, as we continue in this Christmas season, no matter how good or hard this next week will be for you, I encourage you to look forward to the day when Jesus, our King, comes to get his people. It's going to be incredible. Look forward to that day above all. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this peace that can flow through us and out of us simply by knowing that you're coming to get us, God. 
God, we, we want to believe it, God. We want to believe that day is coming. We want to believe that, that you're going to come get us. But I know um, that so often the way we live, uh, it seems like we don't believe it. God, help us in our belief. God, help us in our unbelief right now. God, as we live our life uh, in these ups and downs, these seasons of life, God, um, I pray that you will equip your body. God, you will encourage uh, each member through each other, through your word, through the working of your spirit, God, with the hope that we have a better day coming, God. Jesus, you have come. You have died. You have risen again. And we know that you're coming back to get us, God. We pray that you make it soon. Please come back to get us, God. We, want, we don't want to experience this empty life anymore, this shadow of things, God. We want to fully experience you, Jesus. So, God, Jesus, please come back now. But as we wait, I pray that you fill the people here right now, those who can't be here, part of the crossing, the, the, the body across Monroe, West Monroe, across this world, Fill them with this knowledge, this belief, this joy that we have a better day coming. Whether we die or we get to live to see that day, we have a much better day coming. God, let it be. Please, please let it be.